You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to the 602 Club, Trek FM's local watering hole coming at you from the next level. And I'm just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me as she is almost every single week. I, are you in avatar form this week, Christy? Yeah, I do this thing called dance fighting. It's pretty awesome. Oh, because I, it's so, I, because for, I, you look like Allison Bree in this form. It's so weird. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. I'll take it. You're you're welcome. I just figured if that if you were going to have an avatar, that would be your avatar. Probably that or Emmy Rossum. Okay, yeah, that that works for me. Yeah, uh, although I feel like Allison Brie might be more of a dance fighter than Emmy Rossum. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. And we're really excited to have back. It's been a while, but Brandy, welcome back to the Six Hundred Two Club. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It has been some time. It's been a yeah. weird year. I hear you. Um, but we're almost over with the year. Uh, in fact, as of this recording, we'll only have one more episode of the Six Hundred Two Club left, and I'm pretty sure everybody knows what it is. I, it's some movie with a star and a. In a in a spaceship and, and like is it Star Trek? Sort of is there a new Star Trek movie? Nobody no, told me. it has like swords in it, but they're light and oh. yeah. Anyway, so we're gonna be doing that movie. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. So I, anyway. it doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, it seems strange, <laughs> uh, but we're going to cover it anyway. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you being here uh, each and every week and throughout the years. It, it's been so much fun. And this week we're going to be talking about, I'm sure you realize what we're talking about, Jumanji, the next level. Before we get into that, remember, you know, it's the holiday season. And the best thing that you and even if you're not listening to this uh, and you're doing it in the future, Still, the best gift that you can give any podcast is free. You know what that is? It's a review and a star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, honestly, if you were to look at any of the numbers for any podcast, still the major place that people get them is from one of the Apple products. And that means that those star ratings and reviews mean a lot. So if you like the show, if you like what we do, and you want to support us, but with just spending a couple minutes of your time, Star Rating Review really helps. Um, make sure, too, wherever you get your podcasts, you're subscribed to the show because that way you get it as soon as it drops. You can find us on Twitter at TrekFM or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. Of course, we've got the Babel Conference, our listeners-only discussion group on Facebook. Um, you can also find us on Trek.FM, which is you know a great place to check out all the podcasts that we're doing here on Trek.FM, as well as you can go to the contact section, and that is a place where you can send an email to Christy and I, choose the 602 Club, and it comes to us. And uh, last but not least, we really want to say a huge thank you. We have some incredible associate producers who have been supporting the show for a very long time. Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, Daniel Noah, Thank you to each of these gentlemen for supporting the network through Patreon and being our associate producers. Now, 
their support on Patreon is really important because, as I mentioned, Trek FM, we have a lot of podcasts, and we can't do this every year without you. We just, the hosts ourselves, we don't have the money to do this all by ourselves. So no, we don't. be part of our team. Go over to patreon.com slash trekfm. See how you can help. We have some great contribution levels where you can get some extra perks. But honestly, every little bit a month makes a huge difference. And so, again, it's patreon.com slash trekfm. Now, as I mentioned, we're at Jumanji, the next level. And so I just wanted to ask you guys, because um, it's always interesting after you, you know, finish the first movie, them deciding to do a new level of this. How did you guys feel? I mean, after the success of Welcome to the Jungle, were you immediately like, oh, yes, I want another one of these? Or how were you guys feeling going into the theater with this one? I really felt like it could go either way. I felt like the first movie was really wrapped up in a nice bow if they just stopped there, but that it was always open to continuing the story because we didn't necessarily see the game get destroyed. So it was possible for there to be a sequel. And I really like the approach they took to the the naming of the sequel being uh, like a video game, you know, that it's the next level up. Um, So I think that was perfect. But um, yeah, I, I really think that it it would have been fine if they didn't do a sequel, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I I play a lot of video games, so for me, this, if Jumanji were a real game, it seems very much like an old-school action RPG role-playing game, for those of you not who are not gamers. And so it made, it makes sense to me that there would be another level and that you would level up and have some new abilities because that's very video game. <laughs> it's <laughs> very RPG. So I I honestly, I just wanted more of these characters. And so I wasn't entirely sure it was going to be the same characters. And I would have been okay if it hadn't been. But these four just really, they just really won my heart in that first movie. So I was happy to have some more of that. Well, and I'm curious, too, if either of you felt like initially before the first movie even you were worried about this many a-listers being in the same movie together because sometimes that doesn't work i wasn't i feel like they're all so very different from each other that they're all they were all going to bring something out different to the table which Mm -hmm. works well in a group so there wasn't really a lot of samey stuff going on in there everybody had their own little niche and so Honestly, I just thought, okay, well, I'm in it for for Dwayne Johnson because I will watch anything he's in because he's always entertaining. And the rest was just like icing for me. Right. Well, and who knew that The Rock and Kevin Hart would grow to be best friends? (laughs) Right. It's true. Somebody so big and someone so little. (laughs) I, yeah, you know, it's it's always, it's, I'm right there kind of in in the same place with you, Christy. I think I'm always a little bit trusted trepidatious when you go into a sequel just because you know if anything's successful it feels like oh we got to have a sequel at least that's right. what hollywood feels you know it's the kind of the conversation that uh, we're having about you know whether they do a sequel to joker because it was so enormously successful for them so they immediately want to capitalize on that and make more money i mean it's just what hollywood does so with this one you know like you said it, you do kind of wrap it up so nicely But at the same time, it also leaves itself wide open for a sequel. And I think 
my thought process going in was I enjoyed the cast so much in the first one, uh, the the ensemble that they had created, that I was really interested then, and and I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt going into the theater, and so I was pretty excited about this movie and just the the thought of going into it now. One of the things I did with this one is I didn't really pay attention too much other than seeing a couple of trailers. And there were some surprises in the movie like that I didn't feel like that they had spoiled anywhere with some of the people that they had cast in the movie, which I thought was really smart. Um, And so I think one of the things that they did best in this movie to differentiate itself from the first level to the second level was that the characters weren't all the same, you know, at the beginning of this movie. Like, we're all in different bodies with, you know, um, different people being avatared by a different avatar for a while. And I think that's what helps set this apart as a sequel in the sense that they don't just try to straight up redo the first movie. They really tried to make this different. And part of that was just allowing the characters who are are, you know the actors playing the avatars to be able to do something different you know so Dwayne the Rock Johnson getting to play Eddie the grandpa for a while is very funny you know the same thing with Kevin Hart playing Milo so I think that was the that was probably their best move in doing this sequel was finding a way to really make a change between the two films so that you didn't just feel like you saw the same movie. So that this level level really does feel different than the first one, which is, that's really, really smart. You absolutely hit the nail on the head, Matt. I think that was the single best thing that they did for this movie because you can tell definitely with people like The Rock or Kevin Hart or even Jack Black that sometimes you'll feel in, in certain movies like they play the same character every time. Jack Black usually plays himself, <laughs> you know, like he's zany and loud and whatever. And so I think this time rewriting it in this way, saying, remember, we're in a video game where every time you go to play a game, you may not be the same avatar every time. So I think it really challenged the actors in a totally different way to have them then try to play a role like that. You know, Dwayne playing the old seemingly kind of like Jewish accent. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was like that or New York or what, but it, it sounded like that to me of like, you know, someone from the old country. Um, and then I, I really liked too Jack Black, um, or no, not Jack Black. It was, um, the, the actress that played Ming. Oh, Aquafina. Yeah. Yes. She had to do so much jumping around. <laughs> yeah. She was brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, brilliant having to play such completely different characters well and she was she was so good that the first time that we see her i knew immediately without her even saying anything that that was spencer Mm -hmm. immediately i'm just like oh there's spencer there's spencer because it literally could have been anyone in the game right so, but it's like the body language that she gave off, yes. the behavior of like that meekness and uh, the immediate. Oh, I did it. Yep, yep. it was me. <laughs> yeah, just and just uh, it's it, it isn't just one thing. It was 
the way she stood and the way she spoke and just embodying those characters so completely that you just accept it immediately. It's just, and I got such a kick out of her being Eddie. It's just, oh, she must have had a great time doing that because she looked like she was having fun to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think, and that's the thing that made this so much fun is that, you know, by allowing quote-unquote older characters to be played by newer avatars gave you the opportunity to kind of experience those people in slightly different ways in the um, in the movie now before we kind of put them all back into their original bodies, you know, so that everybody's back where they kind of quote-unquote belong. And I just, I feel like it, again, it's just the way to, to, to take the sequel and, and allow it to have its own feeling so you're not just feeling like, oh, you know, there's nothing worse than a sequel to a video game that just feels like the first game but just not as good. It's the right. same thing with a movie sequel that you're like, it's just the same thing, but it's just not as good. Um, and I feel like, you know, by allowing us to get a a picture inside these characters by changing their avatars really helped. Because in many ways, you know, like what we do with Spencer as a character by putting him in Aquafina at the beginning, that's kind of where his character is that's how what how he's feeling he's feeling emasculated in some ways i feel like um and he, he's he's feeling meek and and like mild and like that he's lost his mojo you know so mm-hmm. it, it just again all of those things i think do such a great job of of giving us an opportunity to deepen the characters and i i don't know if i would have necessarily expected that coming from this movie you know, I, I I didn't go in thinking that we were going to really get to the depth of some of these characters. And so actually getting to do that, I think is great. You know, I, I think that this is where if you're going to do a new level, it needs to feel like its own thing. And I think this, you know, obviously it's connected to the first movie, but they do a great job of making it feel as if it also is a movie in and of itself. I agree, because basically I had no idea what to expect. Once they were actually going into the game, like we knew Spencer had gone in and they were going after him. Well, some of them were determined to go in after them. And then when you're seeing them get sucked into the game, you can see that there's stuff from upstairs coming down the stairs. I'm like, yep, there goes Eddie and Milo. And yeah, I expected that aspect of it because I'd seen that part. Well, you know, seen them in the trailer. But where they took it from there, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. That's how I felt, too. Especially when you see, like you mentioned, Brandy, suddenly there's more people coming down, apparently wafting into the game as well. Uh, It was funny because I actually knew that they were going to be in the movie, but I didn't know any spoilers or anything. Um, But from following The Rock on Instagram. And so there was a video of The Rock and Kevin Hart hanging out with Danny DeVito and Danny Glover. 
And they're all just, um, you know, sort of doing that back and forth that Kevin and Dwayne do, uh, where they're like, get out of my video. I'm trying to take a video right now. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And then it, it got to where, uh, Donald Glover, I'm uh, sorry, Danny Glover and, um, and Danny DeVito were like sticking up for the other one. Nice. It was really cute. Yeah. It's, it's funny you bring that up, Christy, because that was something that I thought was really fascinating for this movie to talk about, which was the idea of like social media lies and how, you know, the, one of the biggest issues in this movie is the relationship um, that we have uh, between Spencer and Martha. And they've both gone to different colleges. You know, they had the one great year together at the last year of high school. And now, as they're apart from each other, trying to do long distance, you know, he's seeing her life play out on social media and he is feeling his insecurities just come roaring back because it looks like her life is so great. And like, you know, as a guy, I can understand what he's feeling in that sense of like, he's feeling like she doesn't really need him anymore. Like her life's too good. And he just, you know, and so, but it's all part of the insecurities that social media helps create because social media is not real life. You know, social media is what we portray to the world as look how great my life is when, you know, at the the, the moment after the picture, we could just go back to being depressed, you know, or so I, I really appreciated how this movie subtly talks about this idea of like how much our lives are being impacted by the milieu of social media that we live in and, and just how much um, of an impact it can have on us uh, to our detriment, really, um, and and how it cannot replace actual physical relationship with another human being where you are face-to-face, where you are interacting with each other one-on-one, face-to-face. Like, that cannot be... Um, replicated in any other way than to just have that. And so I just thought, you know, I just, again, I did not expect this movie to to kind of go somewhere so deep. And so uh, it's just a very hot, I would say it's just a really important topic to be talking about because I think a lot of people suffer from this. Yeah, I agree with that and i think it even goes a little bit deeper into that with the fact that spencer is not voicing any of these concerns via messages or otherwise and he's just internalizing everything and so he's creating situations that don't actually exist which can happen without social media (laughs) if you internalize something and you don't communicate then you're going to create something that probably isn't actually there or see something that isn't there. And and he just doesn't talk about it at all with anyone. And I think that it's because we've so stigmatized people talking about their problems with each other and being honest about the way they're feeling and what they're thinking that nobody feels comfortable actually doing that anymore for fear of being attacked or being criticized or, 
you know, anything like that. And it just makes me sad because that is so real. That is so real, especially for someone who has had it great and now high school's over and you figure out, oh, I'm in the real world now because high school was not the real world. And it can be very isolating, very isolating and make you question everything you thought about yourself. Absolutely. I I think that for sure, writing this character that way, in a way, really is showing what everyone feels like when you're done with high school and that safe space. And now you're out in the world and having to run your own life. Um, I, I really like that it raises the questions to, you know, like what you were mentioning, Matt, with social media not being the truth, and it's all highlights of our lives. Um, and that I love especially that they're showing that, like you said, Brandy, through um, him not responding at all anymore to anyone in messages. And they're just going, okay, he's just steadily drawn more and more back until none of us have really talked to him in months. And to where he can't even say if he definitely has a girlfriend or doesn't because they didn't actually break up. So he's like, I mean, sort of. So I, I like that they went that route with it. And I think that definitely you weren't expecting for this movie to go a more emotional direction. And so I think that the social media aspect was really great. And especially in the scene with um, the rock and Karen Gillan hanging off the ice. And she says, that's not what you're actually seeing. The me on Instagram or whatever is just me finally getting to do some things that I've always wanted to do, but been too afraid to do. It's not like my life is suddenly only this and it's better without you. So I, I really, really loved that. Yeah. And this, you know, I, Brandy, I love what you said about how he's just internalizing things and he's not sharing. And, you know, that's one of the big differences that they have is that now they're all away at college and they don't have the, the posse you know, together every day. And it really, I think, reinforces just how important it is to have a crew. You know, like, um, and the whole point of this movie is about that you need those people in your life. That it, It's your family, it's your friends, you you need those people. And one of the things I, I, I kind of appreciate is that they showed how, you know, it seems like every movie kids go away to college and it's the best time of their life. But like Spencer goes away to college and it kind of sucks. He's alone. He's in New York. It's massive. He doesn't know anyone, you know? So finding your people is so key. And so the fact that this movie is about them all kind of like coming back together, but specifically about Spencer coming back to the group and realizing that that's what he needs. And he needs to be more open with his feelings and like, he can share those things with them you know like even fridge being like man you just gotta tell me stuff because i'm not going back in that game to get you again you know like um they love him they just need him to be able to to open up to them so they can be there for him like they don't care how he's feeling they just need to know how he's feeling because they they all want to be there for him and i I just again uh, the nuance of how they're doing that is so key i think because it is the case that you can go away to college and it not be the best time of your life and it completely suck. Um, or you're the person like, you know, myself where all my friends left and, and then I was at home going to college and working and living at home still, you know, like it's just, it, it 
we have this generalization a lot of times, and it's it we we have to remember the idiosyncrasies of life for everyone, and that like. So even if college is good, like it's good for Martha, right? She's having a good time. She's found people that like her, which is completely different than co- than high school. But that doesn't mean everything is hunky-dory 24-7, you know, that, again, social media portrays. And so them talking about all this stuff I just thought was so neat. Because obviously this movie's aimed at kids, um, you know, uh, and, and teens and stuff. And I just... But, I mean, I think it's important even for adults for us to be able to remember this stuff because we can easily get sucked in. I mean, you know, keeping up with the Joneses is even harder when all you're following is their Instagram and you don't actually know the Joneses. Right. And so I think this movie is really, it shows the importance of actually knowing people and being known. And I really appreciate that message. I think, you know, in a world that has become so fractured... And it's so easy to like hate on people you don't know because they're just an avatar <laughs> um, or they're just a um, a label that you've thrown on them. It's much different when you actually know somebody because you've spent time getting to know them. And that's kind of what this movie is really all about in a lot of ways. It is. I would like to point out that when we went, my husband and I went and saw this movie, it was a 7 p.m. showing on a Thursday night, and it was probably 90% adults. There weren't that many teenagers, and there were no children. So it's it appeals to many different people. And there were older yeah. people there, and there were, you know, 20-year-olds there. So it's it's something that may be geared towards kids, but not in a way that you feel like you're watching a kid's movie. Yeah, it's kind of like how Star Wars, you know? Like, yeah. it's it's made for kids, but it's something for everyone. Yes. Like, it's aimed at 12-year-olds, mm-hmm. but it's really something that speaks to the kid in all of us. And I think that may be the biggest key for this Jumanji series, is that it's reaching to the kid in all of us. Yes. Absolutely. And for well, me, the gamer as well, because when they were climbing that ice, I'm like, I did that in Rise of the Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. Which is weird because that's kind of how Karen Gillan's avatar is dressed, is like mm-hmm. Tomb Raider. I yeah, thought well, of that the whole time. She's dressed like old school Tomb Raider. New school Tomb Raider dresses like a normal freaking person. She wears well, pants. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> she wears <laughs> pants. Her boobs aren't so heavy that they would break her back. You know, she looks like an actual person who could exist. So. But see, I grew up oh, man, playing I... the original PlayStation version. So to me, that's the real Tomb Raider. With her boxy boobs? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an awesome like... game. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm just I'm just appreciating this conversation it is allowing me to think about Karen Gillan, who I am totally in love with. It's oh, it's I have a girl crush funny. so hard on so, her. So yeah, yeah, it's all good. so good. Yes, <laughs> everybody understands each other. So. Yes. Um. No, I I I'm right there with you guys. Like I just I think the fact that we got to that place in this movie is great. But I also I, and I think Brandy, this is one of the things where you know this is also a message that I think was speaking more to me in some ways is that idea of like growing old and is that a curse or is it a gift? And that struggle is real, y'all. You know, like when you, 
hit 40 and you're like, my life could be half over at this point. <laughs> you know, you start to have these type of feelings. And I really appreciated the story between Milo and Eddie and, and the frustrations of getting old. And, you know, specifically for Eddie, it's that I think it's that he doesn't have a purpose anymore. Like for so long, he had a purpose, right? But for him, his identity really seemed to be in work. And I think what that helps show is just how much you cannot put your identity into just one thing. Like your identity is all of you. It's not just one piece of you. So if if your identity is only in who you are at work, well, there come a time when you're not working anymore. And then who are you? You know, and so what I loved is that Milo knew the difference. Milo knew that it's about relationship because a relationship with people can last forever, right? Because even if they die, your love for them won't. And and I really appreciated that. So like we have to be putting our our efforts into things and our identity into things that are eternal, not just like temporal, like what I do for 40 years at work. Yeah, I felt like that was a really huge thing that they showed in this movie was that Eddie and Milo were so opposite in that one sense that I felt like it wasn't only that Eddie identified himself as I am a working man and that's what I love, but he didn't spend any time on the relationships in his life. Whereas Milo realized that um, he wanted to spend more time with his wife and to do and see more things in the world. And so he left and I mean, it was the right thing to do for him, but you know, Eddie held that over his head for 15 years until he ran out of time to spend with his best friend. And it's like, you, you have to realize that that's not the most important thing in the world, that work will always be there. The people in your life won't. That is true. I honestly, there are some people who are very different at work than they are at home. I'm the same either way. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, my work is not my identity. And this is how I roll. Albeit at work, I do use slightly less profanity. So, <laughs> although my office assistant has... It does help keep you employed. It Well, actually, the technicians swear worse than I do. So, <laughs> you know, there are F-bombs all the time going on in there. But I don't, it doesn't bother me. But I got an office assistant this year, uh, and she has a potty mouth. So when we were alone in the office, it was just gutter language the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I've, I decided a long time ago that I'm not going to change my personality for my work. It's something I have to do to exist and, and pay for my house and my car and all of those things. But it's not what I am. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and it's just interesting, too, because I think this is one of those kind of things where it does kind of become from a certain point of view. Because if you view getting older as a curse, it will be a curse. But if you view it as a gift, it will actually be a gift. And and so it really comes down to, you know, what... Uh, Qui-Gon says, you know, your perception determines your reality. And Mm -hmm. when Milo is gone and Eddie, you know, is is hanging out with Spencer at the end of the movie, his perception has changed and he can see the gift that getting older has been. 
And part of that is the perspective that he has. Part of that is the wisdom that comes with age. You know, like when I look at myself when, you know, back 20s, you know, I just I was just an idiot and kind of an a-hole, you know? <laughs> so it's like you can see that perspective. You have that wisdom to be able to know, no, that wasn't the best time in life because I didn't know anything and I was stupid, you know? Like, and hopefully as we get older, wisdom comes because we learn from experience. And I think that's the thing that I just really appreciate again about the movie. Like we're talking about some really deep core themes and they could be taken as cheesy, but I think the way that they play out in the movie is just really heartwarming. And, you know, again, like this movie is a great Christmas movie. It comes out, it's come out that time of year. It's taking place at that time of year. And and what is this movie really about? It's about recognizing the gifts that we've been given and the friends that we have and how important, that the most important thing is the community. It's not things, it's not presents, it's not any of that BS. It's a, it's kind of, you know, about what Charlie Brown learns in the Charlie Brown Christmas. It's not about the commercialism, you know? It's not about any of that. And I, I just appreciate that this movie is is reinforcing those themes. And it's it's that kind of thing that really, like, you come out of a movie with your heart warmed and you're happy and you're joyful because you're reminded of the best things in life. That's good stuff. Well, and something that I took from what Eddie says as well at the end was that growing old is a gift because not everyone gets to do that. Like we live in yeah. a world where unfortunately sometimes people die young and there's nothing that we can do about it. And so it's people that have been able to live to a ripe old age should realize that it's a blessing that they've been able to get to that point. Yeah. My mom yeah. is that way. Actually, she is 82 years old um, and she is, you know, she she has some health problems, and sometimes it's not the best day ever, but she always says, I have so much. I have friends, I have my family, I have a place to live, and I'm still kicking, and what more could I want? So she mm-hmm. always ends the conversation with, nope, no complaints. Aw, sounds like your mom's really nice. She is really nice and really funny. And uh, a, a real smart ass. <laughs> she <laughs> she says, "How did I raise so, children like this?" And I said, "Mom, we learned from example." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say, "Hmm, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree." Exactly. <laughs> I learned from the best. It's funny you oh, said that awesome. though, because my granddad actually is eighty-nine, and he always says it's better than the alternative. <laughs> Agree. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, it. it's kind of funny because it, the way that this, this movie plays out, you know, kind of talking about this idea of the way that age gives you perspective and wisdom. And I think one of the things that this movie really does too, and it's the same thing that we played with in, in the first movie, is is finding your strengths. And, you know, each of these characters is allowed the opportunity to find their strength and be challenged by being not themselves, by literally putting themselves in the shoes of somebody else that's the complete opposite of them. And so, and in this one, 
they had had that experience in the first movie, but now it's thrown out of whack because, you know, now Spencer is being play is in the avatar of a woman who does things that make him feel uncomfortable. You know, like stealing, being a pickpocket, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the fact that Fridge can't figure out why he's the old white dude who's who's whose powers seem to be not for an adventure game until he learns about the importance of parabolas. Um, yeah, and, geometry. Yeah, exactly. You know, so all of these characters getting this opportunity to be challenged all over again, I think is just it's. It's so important because what it shows is that the growth that we all go through, it's not just a one and done. It's a continual process. And so we have that with these characters continually kind of being refined throughout these two movies to when they come out in the end. And this is just another part of the refining process, you know. And so, and I mean, even what's what's most interesting, I think, is is that um, they really learn that everyone is useful when they put their gifts to work for more than themselves. And it doesn't matter what the character looks like or who the person is. It's all about what they do for other people. And I thought that was really neat. Yeah, I agree with that. We're just doing a lot of saying, I agree with that completely. <laughs> We all pretty much are on the same page with this one. But uh, and the, the the one thing that I've learned about life, the universe, and everything is that the one constant is change. There is going to be change. Nothing is ever going to stay the same, no matter how much we might wish it to be so. And so the challenge comes in, how are we going to deal with that change? Because usually we don't get to choose it. Sometimes we do, but that's more rare than people think. So how are you going to deal with this change? What are you going to, what kind of new perspective are you going to take on so that you can deal with this change? And I don't want to necessarily say adapt to change because that kind of sounds like accepting that this is how things are now and kind of being disappointed, but more to take this change as a new challenge and incorporate your life uh, with this new challenge and own it. Yeah. I Amen. <laughs> Since we're all just agreeing here. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> you know, it is weird. I, the, the church kid in me must be coming out because all the time now as an adult, if I'm agreeing with someone, I usually my go to is amen. And then I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> but uh yeah i i agree i feel like that was uh something i really enjoyed too was seeing um them realize that the strengths that they were given were not for themselves like you said matt like especially i saw that with fridge being imported into the jack black avatar and going i can't do burpees <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> Oh, it was so funny. And then he just rolls over and he's like, okay. And he's like, look, my weaknesses are this place. Heat, sun, sand. (laughs) Um, But the fact that he could read a map and knew geometry at the time didn't seem like strengths until they needed them. And then suddenly the whole bridge thing lined up for him and he realized why he was important. Um And, you know, the same thing with the Rocks character, even though he was the tank 
as gamers would say, um, everyone has their weakness and his was Switchblade and he didn't heed the warnings. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, he was having a little too much fun just beating the crap out of everything and right. feeling powerful again in a way that he'd probably never felt powerful in his life. Because he's... I mean, your whole body is a different color. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and Just... Eddie getting to have a new hip. Yeah. <laughs> he loved that new hip. <laughs> that that moving around while he was testing out all the parts. We were, we were dying. We were having such a great time with that. Really stellar acting for those scenes. I was so impressed. Agree. They really embodied the characters. Hey, boomch. I had to do it. What I thought was um, most interesting, just kind of about, you know, just I was thinking about the characters themselves. And it was interesting that really the one character who doesn't do a lot of body switching is Martha. You know, she gets to basically, for the most part, be in, in Karen Gillan again. And so she doesn't seem to have as much of a, a place to go and I thought that was really interesting as if maybe a lot of the lessons she had learned the first time and this wasn't this movie wasn't as much about her having to learn you know uh, and it like this movie seems to be really a, a movie about Fridge and and Spencer still having a few lessons to learn you know um, because too even Brittany like yeah she is the horse for a while but she seems to have learned the lessons of the original Jumanji, you know, of, of that this isn't all about her, you know, that she is a completely different person in many ways. She's done a 180. She still has the some of the same personality quirks, you know, uh, but at the same time, who she is at the core has really become somebody who's about her people, about her friends and about others. You know, she's so sacrificial. She's like the first one, like, I'm going to go get him, you know, and so... Like, I just thought it was really interesting that uh, this movie seems to play out just like life is that um, boys age just a little bit slower than women. Um, and uh, so we sometimes need a little bit of help. And that really gave, I think, the actors an opportunity, you know, to really get to play, which, you know, I, I think you having, you know, Jack Black and especially... Um, Dwayne Johnson getting to do something different is a big reason why this movie works for so long because you're just not in that same place as we talked about. So I think that was really great. It was really great. I I do appreciate, though, when Bethany did get back in Dr. Sheldon Oberon's body and she was so happy to be in that place. I miss you so much. (laughs) Hugging I just loved that. I mean, nobody's missed a fat white guy more than she has, which is weird. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I think she just really liked peeing standing up. (laughs) Well, I mean... I I mean, it's pretty great. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Yeah, (laughs) we know. We know. (laughs) (laughs) Every time we go camping, we know. We know. Um, Yeah, I... I kind of took from it too um, with Bethany that she was feeling that way that you would feel if you're playing a familiar game and there's a certain character you always like to play that she's finally back in the one she's the most comfortable with. 
not just, you know, in the joke sense, but like something that, you know, backwards and forwards. And, you know, every time you're going to pick that character, I thought that it really there were so many ties to people that like video games. that I was like, yes, yes, there were so, so many like when Fridge is in Ruby's body and he's just doing all of these moves just to see what oh, he yeah, can just do. Kick, 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 <laughs> kick. And you're like, OK, <laughs> so video game it made me think of mortal Kombat. yes <laughs> that's one of my favorite i don't know of any video games where you can touch your own boobs i'm just saying <laughs> so literally the first thing i did <laughs> that was great because it was so true to life mm-hmm. like it, yeah um and i think you're absolutely right the fact that he's bounding all over the place but he doesn't quite know the control that body has just like you would with a new avatar, you yep. know, mm-hmm. like playing Mortal Kombat and you like completely jump off the wrong way or you end up jumping off the cliff or whatever. He does the same thing, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were giggling we- very much at that because my husband and I are both gamers. So we were just like, <laughs> we know what you're doing. <laughs> We've done that. I was really impressed in the movie by like the newest member of the Avatar squad, Aquafina. I thought she, Christy, you mentioned this earlier, but I just, I felt like it's, it's worth revisiting because I think she did such a good job of inhabiting the different characters of Spencer and then Eddie. And she's just like, Sometimes in other things that I've seen her in, she can be a little bit overbearing, like a little bit too much, but I felt like she was absolutely perfect with each one of these roles. Like, she nailed the idiosyncrasies of the character. She knew how far to push things. She knew how to kind of reel it back when she needed to. I just thought she gave such a great performance. Um, And I mean, I know how hard it is to have the weakness as pollen, so. (laughs) Yeah. I got allergies, so I know. Yeah, I think that she was the standout character of this movie because of the fact that she embodied both of those so well. And for being someone that you don't look at her as an actress and immediately think, yeah, she could play an awkward teenage boy. Or, yeah, she could play a cranky old man. And so her doing both of them as well as she did just blew me away. And it was incredibly funny, but it was so believable. And I mean, it just, I felt like she studied tapes of the other two actors and then came in and repeated it. It was on point everywhere. Yeah. It's just, I think the casting throughout the movie was, was really well done because, you know, I think bringing, Danny DeVito into as well as um, Danny Glover and both of these guys you know they're not as well known to a younger generation because they haven't been in as many things anymore but like I remember you know these being like pillars of of cinema back in the day right Mm -hmm. and I just love um, how well they played these roles and it was just so good to have them back Um, and I thought like they both did such a great job of portraying their characters uh of of Milo and Eddie and the frustrations uh that they have and so just again it's it's casting that i think was just really well done you know i think they 
nail exactly what you need these characters to pull off. And, you know, especially those emotional scenes that, you know, where, where um, you, you have, like, you could tell something's going on with Milo, you know, when he comes to the front door and he's, like, making the egg, like, and then it's finally revealed what it is, is that, you know, he's dying and he, he has to, um, he has to make this right before he's gone. And it's just, it's so great. I really appreciated both of these guys. And just, again, it's, it's great to, to give them that time, uh, to be back on screen because they just, they deserve it. They were great in this role. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen any of the Lethal Weapon movies, Danny Glover is a treasure and you need to watch all of them. I'm too old and for then, this yeah. stuff. <laughs> Can't say the I'm word too he really old for says. This shirt. <laughs> and then I mean, gosh, the the list for both of them goes on forever, but mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. I grew up with seeing them, the two of them in everything I watched pretty much. I mean, like Matilda, um what else was he? Uh what was it? Junior? Yeah. Was when uh, Danny DeVito and Schwarzenegger were brothers. Yep. Um, no, that was that was twins. Twins. Yep. And yeah, then Junior was when Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger was pregnant. Was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> that had Emma Thompson. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I love both of them, and I think that they were a really great addition to this, and a and I mean, really great way to show um, that everybody has to get old at some point. And that that's not so bad. Uh, in fact, you know, it can be a gift. And uh, I really, even though neither of them were in this scene, I teared up when um, Milo as a horse flew away. Because it's like he's getting eternal life in some way because he's just going to stay there. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I, so one of the things I wanted to ask you guys about, which I thought was interesting, did it work for you guys, the the kind of way that they used to change avatars, like the way they came up with, did it work as like kind of like a comic book or, you know, video game invention to allow you to be able to do that? Well, sure. It <laughs> it was no more or less ridiculous than anything else I've seen in comics or video games. So, in fact, one of the things that I thought about and it's like oh so it's like a lazarus pit but instead of bringing someone back to life you switch (laughs) avatars (laughs) that's a good point i didn't think about it like that yeah i was thinking about that too i was like hey it's actually like the good lazarus pit right (laughs) not the one that turns you into a bloodthirsty monster yeah one that takes your soul (laughs) yeah (laughs) you said you still have your soul it's just in another body now it was strange though for me at first because i was thinking it was you know that natural mentality of well if you fall in it you're gonna die right they surprised they didn't right i was going what (laughs) but i i did feel like the jumanji berry wasn't the greatest thing it just kind of felt like, well, we need there to be some kind of weakness for the final boss, so we're going to have it be this. You know, it it actually felt pretty video gamey for me in that regard, because like, okay, okay, this one item that you have no idea what it is supposed to do and later on becomes extremely important, I cannot tell you how many RPGs have done that. Okay, well then so, maybe I don't know my games that well. No, that's not necessarily that you don't know games that well. That's not at all <laughs> what I'm saying. It's just I have played a lot of RPGs 
in my life, starting with text-based RPGs. So they're always, not always, but frequently seems to be this one item that you're like, why am I hanging on to this? And later you find out, oh, that was super important. And it has happened in the case of, oh, I had this item and I got rid of it and crap, now I need it. I'm screwed. (laughs) It's happened both ways. Yeah, I, I, um, that part didn't feel as, like, and the reason I asked the question is because I just, it, it was such an interesting way to do it, you know, like, I knew you had to get these characters into their other bodies, you couldn't spend the whole movie like this, and I thought it was really, it was just very smart, so that they enter, it's like a video game, they introduce a thing, and then they use it later on, and, um, I also really appreciated how, just the right time you kind of eliminated some of the characters so you're more focused on your main core cast again um so they can kind of finish out uh the movie which i thought was really smart so i just think you know all in all they did such a great job of kind of working all of this out and and making it feel like it flowed together really well and again they just kind of knew the right moment to to take um the extended cast shrink it down so that, you know, we can come back to the core characters and kind of finish out the level um, and then kind of open it back up a little bit. Um, And then, well, Jumanji breaks free. So, um... Furnace Repairman! (laughs) (laughs) It's all his fault. There is one important cast member that, although the part is small... We need to mention Reese Darby that plays the video game NPC that flies the plane. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love Reese Darby. He is one of my favorite comedians slash actors, and I adore him so much. He's 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 just... He's from New Zealand. He's in a lot of movies that are now really, really big, like What We Do in the Shadows. Which one of my favorite lines he has in that is like, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. (laughs) It's just he's charming in everything that he does, whether he's playing a jerk or whether he's playing an NPC or whatever he's doing. I adore him. Or the band manager on Flight of the Concord. Yes. Yes. Well, of course, you know, because Jemaine Clement and Mm -hmm. yeah, and there's there's so much connection there. Yeah, I uh, I love him because uh, partially because I studied abroad in New Zealand for six months, and so it was like Kiwi culture. I was all about it. And uh, Reese Darby can make some amazingly accurate sound effects with his mouth. It's yeah. so weird. He can do a helicopter, Matt. It's crazy. You need to look it up That's on YouTube. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, he was the perfect personality to play this role of just you know overly excited NPC that's going to tell you things but only has limited responses. and dumps them out of a plane yeah i loved that part (laughs) he's like all right you're going down we don't have parachutes (laughs) i'll get as low as i can and i do love in that scene the rock playing eddie and going he he wrote me a letter i don't have a letter (laughs) i know i don't have a letter what's that in your hand it's in your hand Oh, and oh, the whole man. thing with Milo talking so slow that it's going to get them all killed was <laughs> yes. great. It was good. 
true. That reminds me of a story. <laughs> oh, wow. That was so true. <laughs> yeah, we all have a friend like that. And you're like, okay, I, I really got to uh, get back. So, are you excited about a sequel? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've got uh, two big reasons. One, I loved that they brought back someone from the 1995 Jumanji at the very end to flirt with Danny DeVito, which was really cute. Uh, And then I really missed in both of these movies that part from the original Jumanji where the animals came to the human world rather than just being in a game. It was interesting that they went the whole route of doing a video game instead of a board game. But I was really hoping to see that at some point. So the tease that the next one, if they make one, would have all of the animals coming to the real world was awesome for me. Yeah. Those ostriches, though, are jerks. Really? Like, I mean, why are they the roof such in, jerks? Stabbing people in the brain? I know. How did their beaks get so sharp? <laughs> video game master video yeah, that's that's it they leveled up yeah <laughs> yeah i i'm i'll be honest i'm not a fan of the original jumanji it was fine <gasps> but i didn't love it and so i but but besides that i feel like they have expanded the universe to the point that i'm okay with whatever they do they've proved that they know how to handle this property by doing this second movie. So I'm all on board for the third one. And shout out, by the way, to the Kasdan family. Right. Apparently, Jake Kasdan wrote and directed this movie. And, you know, I mean, son of Lawrence Kasdan, brother of John Kasdan. They can do no wrong. Right? These are just like, <laughs> you know, you might have seen Lawrence Kasdan's name on, oh, I don't know, Star Wars movies. Mm, maybe. Mm-hmm. Among, that's just to start. Mm-hmm. The thing, uh, it was it was interesting because, you know, obviously they have the stinger where the animals break out because the repair fix-it guy. And my wife and I were talking about this on the way home, and I said, you know, I think it's smart for them to maybe be thinking of this as a trilogy. And so that this would be the way to wrap it up, which is kind of come full circle to, you know, the original Jumanji movie. But what's smart is that, you know, at this point, if they were to go back into the video game, it wouldn't feel right. And so to have the video game, because it's broken, break out and, you know, start messing up our world, I think is is brilliant. Because in many ways, by doing these first two movies, you've earned the right to be able to do what you did in the very original Jumanji without it feeling like a remake Yes. You know, because it's a part of your story now instead of it just being the straight up remake. You just rebooted it. And I think that's such a smarter way to go. And, you know, it it kind of just reminds me of, you know, the the genius of, of, you know, 2009 Star Trek of, you know, you find a way to kind of pay homage to things, but then do your own thing. And, you know, the welcome to the jungle paid homage to the original, but it did its own thing and it created its own universe that allowed it to do its own thing. And now, you know, by them kind of going back and, and using a big part of the, the original 
book and movie, it feels like it just feels earned. And that's, again, we talked about how this movie had done a lot of smart things. And I think by them looking towards a, a sequel and, and now, you know, bringing Jumanji to our world, I'm excited about it instead of being like, oh, well, they're just rebooting Jumanji. And blah, 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 you know, it's just really, again, it's really smart. They put a lot of thought into this, I feel like. And if they're, if they are smart, I think that what they do is they make this a trilogy and then they stop. You know, they find a way to bring it all to a close and then they let it go because it, then you start going any farther than that and you would kind of re- ruin what's special here. Whereas they've obviously kind of set it up to follow right after. And I just don't, I wouldn't want to see them just try to keep this going just to keep this going. Um, but I, I think this is, it'll make a good sequel, honestly. Yeah, I, that's why I generally am not a fan of sequels. I mean, aside from a few things here and there, I don't know, Star Wars for one. But, um, you know, there's really only a few things that I really think have done sequels well. And the cash grab and the lack of story for other sequels is the reason that's made me not like a lot of them. So I definitely agree that I feel like if they don't have a great direction that they want to take the core story that I would rather them leave it alone. But if they've got a good direction to go for a third movie, then I could see how the stinger clearly leads to that. Um, But I think after that they could stop and it would be great to leave it as it is because too, I mean, you, you can't obviously replace Robin Williams. So they couldn't just do a remake and just doing a remake is boring. So I think that they, they do have to figure out a good way to keep it going, but not try to keep it going forever. So on that note, what would you rate the next level? Brandy? (laughs) Of course she would go to were you not ready to be called upon? No, I'm fine. <laughs> um, let's see. I will I always rate things higher than people normally would, but I I loved what they did with this movie and it more than exceeded my expectations. Not that I had expectations of what how everything would turn out, but I was really impressed with the way they did things. So I will give it five useless Jumanji berries out of five. Nice. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For me, I would also give it a, uh, a five out of five nunchucks. I'm going to go with that. Stick with my wheelhouse because I really felt like you don't expect to go into this movie and get something so emotionally meaningful. And that leaves you with like a moral to the story kind of thing. And when you're in the middle of it, then you're suddenly realizing all of these huge life messages that make it so much better than just a comedy about a game. So I, I think that it hit, and all cylinders on that. And then also like we were saying with bringing together four actors in particular who could all stand on their own um, and end up having them work very well together as a group. So it really surprised me how well they all worked together. And then we're able to, in this one in particular embody completely different 
acting roles than they would usually do. So, yeah, I think for me, you know, I think this is probably my rating for the first one. And, and I think this is the thing about this movie that allows me to rate it like this. I enjoyed this movie as much as I enjoyed the first movie. And not many sequels does that happen. And again, I think this is because the sequel is able to be its own thing enough to where I enjoy it on its own, not just because it's a sequel to a movie I liked. And because they weren't just trying to do the same thing, but different, um, and kind of challenge the characters and grow the characters still and all of that kind of stuff, willing to do themes that were relevant and, and important. You know, to me, this is, uh, I'm giving this a four out of five dance fighting moves. Yeah. So I really do like this movie. I think it's definitely one over the holiday season, you know, take your family to. I know every, if, if you're going to see one movie this Christmas, see Star Wars. But if you happen to see two <laughs> movies this Christmas, see Jumanji, the next level. Um, because I think it's excellent. It's so much fun. And I, I just... When I I can come out of a movie and just feel joyful and triumphant, you know, <laughs> it's a great thing. So I really I really appreciate um, Jumanji: The Next Level for what they did, and it did make me excited to see a, a sequel and hopefully a wrapping up of the trilogy. So you know, kudos to them, um, and I think you know part of that is probably the fact that you know I don't think you know. Dwayne Johnson doesn't like to be a part of failure. And so I think he challenges everybody around him to be at their best. And I feel like this is another movie where they, everybody was at their best. So just, uh, yeah, now I'm actually excited to see a third Jumanji movie. So uh, Jumanji gone wild or in, 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 whoa, in, no, yeah. no, no, so, no, um, not that. you don't think so? No. No, that no. doesn't work? No. Uh, no, okay. sorry. Uh, well, I'm not naming movies, but I am going to name some things that I think what we should recommend. So uh, welcome to, Brandy, our brand new uh, thing that we do here on the 602 Club, our recommendations section, where we just recommend something that we've been reading or listening or maybe a game we've been playing. Um, and uh, so, Christy, what are you going to recommend this week? I've got a really funny one this week. Uh, I actually have gotten really into seeing new um, YouTube series. So there's a someone named Will Friedle. I don't know if you guys remember. I love Will Friedle. I've met Will Friedle. He's awesome. He was the voice of Batman Beyond. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, that's how I felt because I knew him as Eric from Boy Meets World and I loved him. I I knew Batman Beyond before I knew Boy Meets World and I started watching Boy Meets World because of Batman Beyond. And he loved that so much that he wrote on my autograph that I was so shway. Aww. I would love to meet him. I am really jealous. He's amazing. I love him. So the thing I'm watching that I'm going to recommend is that he has a new YouTube show called Mini Primetime, which is where he and a guest paint Dungeons and Dragons miniatures together and he teaches different techniques and it really is like a, a teaching show, but also very, very tongue in cheek because that is the will, the real Will Friedle, which is really hard to say. That's like a tongue twister. The the real Will Friedle, <laughs> the real Will Friedle. So mini primetime on YouTube. 
check it out. Awesome. So, Brandy, what would you like to recommend to everybody this week? Oh, I I would like to recommend um there are so many choices that I had and I've got to narrow it down to one. So, I'm going to recommend um the n- new Netflix series V Wars because I am a huge fan of the author of the graphic novel that this series is based on. His name is Jonathan Mayberry. He has been to FanX multiple times, and he is a very good writer. He's one of those writers that takes what is cutting edge right now and sort of moves it to what he feels like could be a natural conclusion or evolution of such things. So things that maybe aren't possible right now, but through science actually could be in the future. And it's a very um, interesting take on vampires that I think hasn't really been done uh, the way that it's being done on V-Wars. And so we kind of get to see the beginning of the evolution of a new life form on the planet and the chaos that ensues. And uh, so, but I just recommend anything by Jonathan Mayberry, actually. So just go find his books <laughs> or his graphic novels or his uh, three issue comics or whatever. Just Jonathan Mayberry overall. You know, I'm actually going to go with a video game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been, I finished uh, Jedi Fallen Order and I really enjoyed it. Um, you don't have to be a Star Wars fan, I think, to like this game. It feels a lot like the new Tomb Raider games, but with a lightsaber. So that's cool. Um, and I just I had so much fun playing through this game. The storyline was good. The graphics are great. Um, the uh, mechanics of the game, like, I, and, and look, I'm not a great video gamer, y'all. Like, I'm just not. I'm not as super coordinated like those people that I'm can do either. like three trillion combos in two seconds. I'm just, I'm not. So um, I will say the gameplay on this is really hard too. So I like had to just play on story mode because otherwise I would have just like, I'd still be playing on the first level. Um, but I enjoyed the whole thing. I really liked it. I think, you know, it's a game that can really challenge you. If you're into that, but it also it's just a great story play if you're into that too. And for me, I'm a first player. I mean, I like games where it's just about the story. I don't like like multiplayer stuff like that. So this was really fun. And so I highly recommend it if you're looking for something to do over the holiday season um, or, uh, you know, you're a gamer and you want a gift for Christmas. I recommend Jedi Fallen Order. So, uh, Brandy. It's great to have you back here in the 602 Club. But uh, before we let you get out of here, where can everybody find you if they want to catch up with you? Uh, you can find me lurking in the Babel Conference, on, which is the Trek FM listeners group. You guys know that. Um, you will also find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy is with an I and 12 is a number. You will someday again hear me on Live from the Edge when new episodes of Discovery return. And depending on what day they're dropping those will determine what day Live will be on. But if they keep dropping them on Thursday, then it would be Fridays as far as I know. 
And I also do a podcast with my fabulous husband, Dave, who is one of those people that can do the ridiculous button combos that I can't understand. And we have a podcast called the Dark Corner Podcast at darkcornerpodcast.com. And we talk about uh, things and nerd stuff a lot of the time with sort of a darker perspective. The most recent episode we just did was all about Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> so... The dark side of Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> a lot of profanity on that one. So much swearing. No, and th- there was one thing that I forgot to do that I'm going to have to amend on our next episode because there there was somebody who made a bot watch a thousand hours of Hallmark Christmas movies and then write its own, and it is hilarious. It is one of the funniest things that I have ever read. I was laughing so hard I had an asthma attack. So, so we're so glad times. you're okay. Yes, thank you. I have an inhaler. It's all good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Christy, where can everybody find you? Well, uh, of course, you know, I'm also in the Babel Conference. uh, And then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bespin Bell. And I do a couple other podcasts in addition to this one. I do one with my friend Teresa Delgado called Sabres and Spells. And we actually just dropped two episodes, uh, one on Frozen 2 and then one also about how we got into Star Wars. So if you like Star Wars, you'll want to hear that. Uh, I also do a show uh, called Planet Leia on the Fanthatrax Network, where once a month I and five other women from around the world talk about our different perspectives on Star Wars. And then lastly, I do a segment once a month on the Star Wars Report called Fashion in Five, which is men's and women's Star Wars fashion in five minutes or less. And you can find me here on the network. When uh, Chris Jones and I get a chance, we record and we do a show called The Orb, all about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm on the Nerd Party Network. I do two shows over there. One is called Owl Post. I do that with Drea Kaufman. And we are talking about Harry Potter each and every week, one chapter at a time. You can also find me at doing Aggressive Negotiations. All about Star Wars each and every week. Of course, with the Rise of Skywalker, it's a perfect time to check in with us and see what we're talking about uh, over there. And then last but not least, I do... A little show called Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney, and that is where we talk about films, but we do that through the lens of faith. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? 